Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to the start of what will hopefully become a semi-regular Bike Radar podcast series, looking at various bits of tech from the world of road bikes and mountain bikes. I'm Tom Marvin, I'm technical editor at Bike Radar, and with me we have Warren Roster, he's the senior road technical editor across Cycling Plus magazine and BikeRadar.com. And we also have Simon Withers, who's one of our road technical editors, again on both print and online. So it's early spring, uh, and this means only one thing in the world of uh, Cycling Plus and Bike Radar, and that means it's Bike of the Year time. So Simon and Warren have just spent the last six months testing bikes through the worst of the winter weather, uh, and they've just finished putting pen to paper in what is, I think, the UK's largest single bike test. Uh, And so, yeah, how did it go? Uh, I guess, you know, Bike of the Year has really just become a staple of our lives. You know, it's over a decade old now. Um, It only ever seems to get bigger. So it's me, Simon, and... The two guys that can't be with us, obviously Aoife, who was testing the women's road bikes, and Robin, who's sort of a uh, drop bar dirt specialist with a CX racer and a committed gravel rider. Uh-huh. Um, so that suggests then that there's a number of different topics that was discussed in Bike of the Year. So we had, Simon, you were doing the £1,000 bikes. I tend to take charge of the budget end of the market. I've got a lot of experience of well, for the last 15, 20 years, testing pretty much every kind of bike and under the sun that costs less than £1,000 or so. So it's my baby. Yeah, OK. And then, obviously, Aoife was doing the women's bikes. Um, 
Robin Wilmot, he did the all-road bikes. So yeah. those are the ones with slightly wider tyres, slightly chunkier things and for all Yeah, day. yeah, not necessarily all-out gravel. It's just those bikes, and it's a real big trend, you know, is that, that road bikes are just getting more adaptable. Um, but there seems to be a big sort of segment in the market now which you get your full-on gravel bike where it's like road plus size tyres, but then you've got something in between where you're getting, you know, that sort of 30, 35 mil mm-hmm. wide, bit of, grip, bit of tread on it, a bit of grip on it. That sort of bike you can pretty much do anything on. Um, it's a really interesting space mm-hmm. um and then you know me i was looking after that our kind of core price area or a core area really so it's all that it's that kind of you know that serious commitment to buying a bike um and then i obviously get the luxury of doing the super bikes as well okay. whereas you know if you won the lottery or i don't know you work in offshore banking the equivalent um, of buying a porsche or a Ferrari oh, sort yeah, of thing. yeah and and yeah more besides so um but even at the budget end of the market versatility is the watchword even if i can't say it properly mm-hmm. So it seems then across across the board of all the different bikes, there's obviously a number of trends that we're, we're starting to see. And I, I think we'll try and touch on that later on, uh, maybe just have a more generalised view of what's going on. But I figured it might be a good place to start with talking about, Warren, you picked out six sort of standout bikes that weren't the winner of Bike of the Year. Um, Obviously, Simon, as well, you've picked out what you think is the best budget bike out there. And then we have our overall winner. So I wonder whether let's have a quick chat then about each of those six bikes that that made the standout sort of mark um, and and that budget one as well. And then we'll have a longer discussion about the ultimate winner. Whittling down 75 bikes across a whole multitude of genres, as it were, is quite a a tricky thing. Um, But then the final six that we ended up with, do kind of represent a lot of the new trends that are going on. Um, there's a couple in there that are just bang on the value for money, kind of hitting the mark. And um, I, I do think we've got a few surprises in there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, where uh, perhaps brands that people would discount straight away, um, uh, brands that we haven't seen for a while, mm-hmm. and and completely new, completely new sort of entrance to sort yeah. of almost the bike of the year sort of fold. As such, oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. You know, so if you take, um, you know, uh, Ribble's new Endurance SL. Now, Ribble, over probably the last 18 months, two years, have had a huge shift. You know, everybody has an opinion on Ribble. They're the, the Valley for Money guys from Lancashire. It's like, you know, it started off as a mail-order company, um, you know, well, it was reinvented as a mail-order company where you could, you could know you could get a decent solid bike that had better kit than anybody else for a lot less cash. But over the last 18 months, they've got a whole new... Ethos, and they got you know, they actually got a swathe of new people in there. You know, you got some of the uh, the driving force that made Boardman the force that it is. You know, a few of the really smart guys behind that are now doing the same with Ribble, and they're trying to take Ribble back to who they were. You know, in the seventies and eighties, if you were a roadie, Ribble was an aspirational bike. It was an aspirational brand. They kind of ruled British racing when everything was steel. But markets changed, fashions shift, mm-hmm. and they ended up going down this. Almost stuck them high. Yeah, so not, not, not quite full on budget, but no, no, but not exotic. It, it was all about it, it. Their main thing was about value for money. Yeah, hitting the mark. That, yeah, but, but they've they've got this whole new range now, and they've got this whole new design language. And so, in our top six, we the bike called the Your Endurance SL made it. But then, if you look in, so the gravel category, there was a with their CGR, which is kind of their all road bike, Entertainium, at a great price. And you look at the two bikes side by side, and they share a real language you know mm-hmm. the design of them is really similar they've got the drop stay they've got you know um lots of things going on at the head angle and you know it, it's obvious it's obvious now they've got a team in that are designing bikes not just choosing bikes that's interesting because the what i sort of picked up when i read 
your test about the the ribble and you know I've, I've known ribble for, for years and you know the direct sales the ability to sort of customize what goes on each of the bikes that eventually get shipped out to you it's interesting that you're saying that there's a whole new ethos around the company because what jumped out at me was that it seems like one of the best value bikes in that top six. Mm. It's not cheap, or well, two thousand seven hundred pounds there or thereabouts, but it comes with Ultegra, which isn't really seen on many bikes at that price point. No, we've seen a huge shift in in value on bikes. You know, um, two three years ago, you'd be looking at a bike at two thousand pounds and it'd have Ultegra, and now that's one hundred five or even Tiagra. You know, mm-hmm. um, bikes are getting more expensive, unfortunately, um, but you've got those smart direct-to-market brands, the likes of Canyon, the likes of Rose, the likes of Ripple, they're hitting those value points better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But even they, we've, Prices seen, are yeah, going we've up. seen that inflation in pricing. Is it a bad thing to maybe be seeing 105 instead of Ultegra in a pure performance point of view? Well, I've tested a lot of 105 bikes and the performance is, the performance difference is marginal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be lighter, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, with, a, with Ultegra, you get a little bit less weight. You know, there's... Um, there's there's actually more variety in, in the Ultegra family now. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got uh, much wider, broader cassettes. They've got more chambering options than they ever had before. Um, you know, it's like Ultegra used to be the poor man's dual race. It was still very much aimed at racing. Ultegra's now being repositioned as the group sit for everybody. Right. You know, even Because that was 105 back in the day. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Ultegra is now that it's, it's so adaptable. It's got so many options. It's got so... It's still performance, but Shimano will tell you, Joris is for the professionals. Ultegra is for elite riders, but elite non-competitive riders. Yeah. And 105 yeah. is probably the first, when you get your first serious the first bike. For, proper in inverted commas. Yeah, cars. for want of a better expression, you'll be looking to get 105 or as much 105 as allows. Mm-hmm. And basically at the budget end, you'll get a full 105 group set on um, internet bikes from the likes of Ribble, Canyon and Rose, all of which are very good. Otherwise, you'll get mainly a 105 group set from Specialised and Giant, but maybe a few deviations elsewhere, which yeah. aren't necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, that that's the Ribble then, the Endurance SL of Tugrowich. Yeah, 2.7, good value, a real nice bike and the ability to, to put on it what you kind of want to match your pocket. Another direct sale bike that made it into that top six was the Canyon Ultimate CFSL, which comes yeah. in 2349. So they, they're obviously... Big German brand, traditionally known as very good value for money. Some of their more aggressive bikes, would you argue, have not quite hit the mark in terms of performance, or is that a fair assessment? Or I, I think, um, actually, I mean, it's the SL DSK.0, which is actually is 3249. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Canyon have always had a certain ride. You know, it sounds, sounds odd, but you say Germanic. There is a kind of Germanic style of the way bikes are. Mm-hmm. It means they're super light and they're super stiff and they're super aggressive handling. You know, they've got real steep head angles. They've got not a lot of fork offsets. So, you know, they're real point-and-shoot bikes. They're really, you know, they're exciting mm-hmm. to ride. The downside of that can be when you end up riding terrible road conditions and, you know, poorly pockmarked surfaces. British roads. British, British roads. roads. Yeah. They can be a bit beat you up a little bit, you know. Um, but this, this, there was some CF. Actually, you know, I found it firmer than most of its competitors, mm-hmm. but still forgiven enough. You know, it, it eliminated road buzz. And that's because Canyon, some of their own brand kit is actually really clever. You know, they're, they're, um, Seat post 
the like the vibration reduction seat post that they've got, and they, there's two versions of it. There's the split mm-hmm. in one, and there's one that just actually it's the way the fibers are laid up. Right. Both do an incredibly good job of just isolating, you know, your rear end from the roughness of the road. Um, and up front, their their new range of like one piece bar stem combos mm-hmm. are actually they're pretty decent as well. You yeah. know, and um, and and as ever, you know, Canyon are really hitting the mark on on value. Like the wheels on on that that bike, the Mavics. Uh, Cosmic Pros. This bike is three grand, but in the same test, we were seeing bikes at nine, ten grand with, with the same, same with the same wheel set. set. You know, so they're really, you know, they're mm-hmm. you know they're killing it as as per usual. And the same is true for a thousand pound. You're going to get more for your money from Canyon and Rose than just about anybody else. Yeah. And the bikes are very good, as Warren says, they are aggressive. But compared with the Rose from ten years ago, this year's Rose Pro SL105 is softer. Mm-hmm. It's not plush. It's not super comfortable, yeah. Yeah. but they've uh, rose. I mean, I think that part of that is the the trend to wider rims, which then brings wider tires, and obviously a wider tire, you've got more volume, you've got more compliance in it. But on the flip side, I do think actual frames are, you know, they're they're, they're just being smarter with them. I think as carbon design and, and carbon research matures, they're being able to manipulate carbon fiber so much better than they ever did before, mm-hmm. and they're also there are new goals. It's not we need to have it light and stiff and, you know, it needs to be able to test very well on a rig. You know, it's yeah. actually now it's all about real-world riding. So it seems like the, the, this Canyon Ultimate, it's, it's kind of like a race bike that's sort of been softened, had a little bit of comfort added through various bits of tech and yeah. and that's sort of why you liked it this year along with its value. So another another German bike that, that made it into this top six is the Focus Izarco Max. And the Izarco Max is a bike that won Bike of the Year a few years ago, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So what... What I sort of gained from from reading the tests and reading and having a look at the bikes is that it's sort of like an aero bike that's lost a bit of weight. Um, it's got disc in there, so it's sort of hitting a few of the trends that seem to be seem to yeah. be coming along. The, and the, yeah, this new Azalco Max is really um, it's a really interesting way for them to go because the the old Azalco Max, which is a phenomenal bike, you know, it was the the lightest disc frame set in the world. You know, it's astonishingly light, mm-hmm. and it built in some astonishingly light bikes, but very traditional. You know, round tubes. Quite simple. I mean, it was, it was like the German version of the Cannondale Super Six Evo. You know, um, phenomenal, mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant bike. But when they, you know, and I've spoken to the guys at Focus about it, um, they said when they were going to redesign that bike or to update that bike, there's nowhere else to go. You know, they've broken the 800 gram mark, yeah. and it's like we can't make this bike any lighter, and everything's about disc now. We want to make it as light as we can. We need to integrate discs. How can we make the ride experience better? Mm-hmm. And they've just introduced aero to it. Now it's not full on, you yeah. know. It's not a Venge. It's not a Madone. It's still a lightweight, or you know, general classification bike rather mm-hmm. than a specialist, you know, bang it down the dual carriageway kind of bike. Uh, it is still, and it shares the exact same geometry as the old Zalco. Mm-hmm. So it's got those traits of being really nimble and really flickable and throwable, but. You get this bit of speed benefit. You get this little bit of, you know, yeah, pep to it. It holds. It holds its speed better than the old one. Okay, I mean, looking through sort of the copy that you wrote about the bike, you know, you're talking about the, the Camtel tube profiles. You've got bladed drop stays. You've got aerodynamics in there. You've got obviously this D-shaped seat tube. Mm. But I guess the, the most interesting point in terms of its both, I guess, its aesthetics and its aerodynamics is that fork head tube interface Can you sort of touch on that a touch oh that's a, yeah it's a really nice kind of inter- i mean it, it, there is they do talk about the, the aero benefits of of 
given that front wheel so much space around it, so you reduce that amount of turbulence. But where they've actually really mastered it is on aesthetics. You know, small bikes always look great because they're mm. all slammed and they look, you know, it's cool. But when you get into the sort of size of a bike I ride, like a 58 or bigger, they start to lose a little bit of their... It, it, it starts to pull away from the original designer, you know, mm-hmm. the, the industrial designer's, you know... Uh, Des- desires yeah, for the look of yeah, it, you know. You know, his, his, the, the aesthete <laughs> in him will be looking at that going, oh, that's not quite what I wanted. So the way they've got around that is they've actually reduced the, the actual head tube as much as possible and elongated the fork crown. So right. it's kind of like an integrated fork, which we've seen on lots of aero bikes. But this is not just about aero. It's actually for the look of it. So when you look at it from the side, you go, wow, that bike looks really slammed. When actually... It's got quite a generous kind of stack right. height. Um, but it just created like a really weird phenomenon. And I don't know if it is like just on this spec bike, because we haven't I haven't had a chance to try the more expensive one, which has a different um wheel set, has a DT wheel set on it. But on this particular bike with the wheel it's got with the tire combo and that fork crown, it has a really weird phenomenon when you get above about 23 mile an hour. And it has to, it doesn't have to be windy or right. particularly blustery or you know, and it, it but it tends to work better in a headwind. And above twenty three mile an hour, it whistles. Right. And it's a real kind of gentle, kind of light ooh, noise. Yeah. And it's I just found it hilarious. Yeah. You know, and I, and you you could ride along and just, you know, gently put your hand in front of the foreground and like go woo 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 and mm-hmm. play tunes. And, <laughs> and I was just thinking this this thing's great. And even, you know, I was out when one of the test rides I was out uh, riding on it, there was like a chain gang of um I do most of my riding midweek. So the only kind of chain gangs you ever see are out are all like the old retired guys, mm-hmm. you know, out for, a, you know, where I'll be in a few years. And um, and I, I rode past like a, a, a big like local cycling club and it was all the old boys. And I was kind of pinning it because I wanted to get past them all fairly quickly. And as the bike's going past them, it's whistling. And you could hear all these old boys going, <laughs> hey, what's that? What is that? You know. So and, does, does the tone of the whistle get higher as you get faster? No, it just tends just... to a certain tone. But, I, I, you know, I've got a higher spec version of it in. And I need to get out on that just to see if see if that, it does the same. See thing. if it does the same thing. That's very intriguing. It's a really weird, yeah. you know. But it's not, you know. It, I don't think it's detrimental. It's yeah. just uh, kind of fun. Okay. So I mean, the focus then is, is kind of interesting because of it, its shape in some ways. The way the designers have integrated the aerodynamics into the bike and, yeah. and the, the industrial design that's gone into there. Another one of the bikes is a first. Well, one of two giants that made it into this top six, and it's a TCR Advanced and. If we're talking about shape and design and, and how that's influenced bikes, this is one of the first ever real compact bikes, which you know said has sort of revolutionised bike design like 25 years ago or so. Yeah, and it's you know the TCR is is a classic bike, right? And it's the advanced at 2,999 pounds that's made it into the top six. So, what, why was that? What what's sets this bike out from the rest? Well, I mean, it's uh, you know over the the more than 10 years that we've been doing this, the the TCR is is pretty much the winningest bike. It's one more times than mm-hmm. any other in its first, you know, its various iterations. Yeah, uh, but it's never lost that original um, ethos, that original kind of Mike Burroughs, you know, legendary designer. It's never lost his original concept of which mm-hmm. was that, that compact, small. You know, uh, um, it was just a it was it was a smart way of designing bikes that not only meant Giant didn't have to make. 30 sizes like you know when they when it debuted yeah. where the equivalent top end bikes from the likes of Colnago or Pinarello the big Italian brands there would be like 30, 30 sizes of bike and Giant came in and said well you need four no, actually, initially I think it was, well, initially it was, initially three. was three yeah then right. they, they went yeah. up to four is it now five and tried yeah to I think they've introduced one at the, small, the, the smaller end which yeah. is mainly for the kind of Asian market and they quickly realised they needed a bigger size than their large because 
giants became popular in like North America and uh-huh. in Northern Europe, especially when giants started sponsoring like Team Telecom with Ulrich, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden their bikes were getting popular outside of their their key yeah. um, territories, and they suddenly realised that you know guys that are six foot three and above. Mm-hmm. They needed a bigger size, so th- that original we only need three has changed. But the actual design—you look at the first one, you look at the current one, and you can see the parallels are there. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this new one—I mean, and last year, obviously, the, a TCR one, mm. um, and so, but that was a rim brake bike. You know, this one is a disc bike. But this is where I think a, a company, the size of Giant, are really prospering in in the current climate they've had a really smart program of of in-house development for their own brand components mm-hmm. and own brand components is something that's really changed over the last few years own brand components used to be the cheap alternative it used yeah. to be the budget item it was the stuff that you bought a bike and go well i'll change that and i'll change it came that. on the entry-level version of yeah. every model yeah. right yeah but now you look at the likes of trek with their you know with bontrager mm-hmm. um you look at specialized with roval and now giant with their own you know their own product with giant, uh, like the you know the SL wheels and things like. That. Yeah, and, and that 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 yeah. works down to the price of the bike side test as yeah. well. Is equally true at a thousand quid? Is it two thousand? You know, they've, they've, they've uh, all these these guys have put loads of investment into their own brand products. So the carbon wheels that come on the TCR, mm-hmm. this TCR, are as good as any bike at three. Grand. And they're, they're in a thousand pounds on their own. Yes, on a three thousand pound bike. So is that then? We've talked then that the likes of Canyon and Ribble can offer great value for money from like a direct sales you, you buy a giant in your local bike shop right yes but it's still good value for money is that a fair yeah i mean that's the thing that's what i'm saying is that giant have been super aggressive on on pricing their bikes right and hitting those marks and i think it is they they are taking on you know the rise of the direct direct sales market mm-hmm. uh, and they're doing a hell of a job of it uh, and so this tcr full Tegra, you know great set of carbon wheels um Beautiful frame, mm-hmm. superb handling bike. It's a you know it's a legendary, legendary bike. I mean the TCR is a bike that I do you know I've just bought one. Yeah. So you know I mean that's yeah, yeah. Bought, that's yeah. testament. Isn't I, it, bought, really? I bought last year's bike of the year winning TCR, which I've, followed. I've up, actually been riding two which, TCRs for the last four years. So. And that followed up the one that I bought in the nineteen nineties, right? Back in the days of everything being. Didn't you have an OCR? Was no, I had an OCR. That was my no. first yeah. real road bike. Okay, so that, that's the TCR advanced three grand, and then you know the final sort of one of these bikes in this little group that we wanted to talk about is another giant, and it's the Defy Advanced Pro Zero. It yeah. Comes in at four four nine nine, so it's not a cheap bike at all. Did it make? Was it in the superbikes category? This one? Yes. Yeah. Okay, but it was one of the cheapest superbikes. One of the cheapest superbikes. But the the thing with this new Defy, and I've always been a fan of the Defy. Um, is this new one is just yes it's four and a half grand but but it's damn good value for money because again superb set of carbon wheels mm-hmm. you've got full Ultegra DI2 now, there aren't many bikes that that sort of money we can get full Ultegra DI2 for a start mm-hmm. but then you bring in a few of their new innovations that you know giant event, the D-shaped seat posts which you'll see on you know Cervelo do it Specialized do it BMC do it Canyon do it Canyon do it Giant invented it and they've continued to uh, refine it and everything. You know, it debuted on, I think, on the TCX, on their cross mm-hmm. bike. Um, and this latest one, they've used a really smart carbon layup. So it's got an incredible amount of compliance. It's super, super comfortable at the back end. Um, but then at the front, 
they've used the defuse, it's called defuse, they mm -hmm. they've used the same defuse technology in the bar. Uh, and the way the bar, bar works is kind of quite remarkable, really. You know, when you're like down in the drops and you're sprinting really hard, it feels as stiff as any bar you like. Or like when you're climbing and you're up on the hoods and you're really, you know, you're outside of your honking elbows yeah. out, you know. Um, and I rode this thing up um, the Gavia, mm -hmm. you know, earlier in the year, which uh, it was, you know, phenomenal. Like that. But then when, when you're descending and you hit stuff like potholes or rough sections of the road, the bar has probably... 15, 20 mil of compliance. Right. But it only complies... Downwards. When it gets hit. Huh. You know, it's just as this... It, it, And weirdly, if you rotate the bar in the stem, only slightly, so it's not like you have the hoods like, sticking up in yeah. in the air or Sean Yates style where you have to, like, you know, bend your hands over. Mm. Um, you can kind of alter the amount of compliance okay. by slightly rotating so the bar. So you can the tune the feel of the you bike. You can tune the feel of the bike. Right. And it's astonishing. But... The biggest piece of value on this bike, above all else, is it's got a dual-sided power meter in the price. Right. And it's their own power meter, their own designed and developed power meter, but it's built into an Ortega crank. So mm -hmm. you've got a top-quality crank, really high-performance power meter built in. Mm -hmm. And what I think this is really exciting is that Giant have set their stall out. The Defy is an endurance bike. It's a sportive bike. It's, yeah. you know, it's the non-competitor's bike of choice. Mm -hmm. But they're treating that sort of rider... As a very serious rider, and do you think that's because a, they're giving a power meter? Into do you think it. that's a trend that other companies are going to be following? We, we've seen Cannondale introduce putting power, the power meter onto the System Six at the high end, but that you get the hardware, but you have to pay a subscription right. to the power meter company to basically unlock, yeah, unlock, unlock its the, potential, yeah, unlock its potential, which is kind of cool because it means that their top end bike, which again was in bike of the year, and it's you know the new System Six, hmm. superb, one of the best aero bikes out there. Mm -hmm. by, by a long shot um, so it's kind of equivalent bike the, the equivalent Madone or the equivalent Venge is about a thousand pound more expensive right so without the power meter without the power meter yeah, yeah. well actually the Venge does come with a power meter because Specialized has their own power meter yeah. but still you know you are paying that little bit less and it's if you want a power meter yeah unlock it it's a kind of a tough sell for them. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, I think they got it from brands, you know, like car brands like Tesla. Mm -hmm. You buy a Tesla and it's got half the features. And then if you pay them a little bit more, they'll basically turn that switch on and they'll yeah. turn that switch on. They'll give you more. And I think it, I think that we might see more of, mm -hmm. you know, that almost that kind of subscription model to, yeah. you know, opening up. I mean, I think e-bikes are going to... Like uh, premium subscriptions, yeah. effectively, right? I think e-bikes might go that way as well. I think, mm -hmm. you know, you might get different power modes and things that... That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that, but yeah, I can see a logic to it. Yeah. Or or the kind of, you know, like smart lock technology, which is coming, mm -hmm. coming quick. I've seen a few things of that, which is completely away from bikes, but, yeah. you know, it's like buying a lock that is completely keyless, mm -hmm. but it's linked to you. It's personal, personal ID key to you, so it unlocks when you get near it. Yeah. But then they were talking about having a model of that where it would be a family of locks. And you, you basically bolt on, you add on, you, you become this family. And you can add people. So mm -hmm. like in our office, we could have a suite of locks, right. which all of us would have a link to. Yeah. So we wouldn't have to ride into work with a lock. We'd just have a bunch of locks. In there. And because we were ID to it, you could walk in and go, oh, I can take that one, I can use that one. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of a smart thing. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. It's almost like customer retention kind of. Mm -hmm. It ties you in, doesn't it? It ties you into to that product, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's... That's giant then sort of using using tech and maybe thinking a little bit outside the box then. Yeah, I mean they've just applied this, you know, what they've done with this bike is they've they've 
they seem to have analysed the type of rider that's going to buy it as a serious athlete. But they've so they've been smart. They've given you really nice equipment. But you know, this is the Advanced Pro, whereas the old Defy's top of the line bike was the Advanced Pro SL, mm-hmm. which is their super light frame. Yep. It, was, you know, it was like eight hundred and fifty gram frame and everything. But they've gone. Well, this sort of rider isn't that more isn't that bothered about having the, the lightest frame in the world. He's not a pro. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as critical. What we'd rather have is a you know is a frame that's more compliant, which is easier to achieve with the sort of carbon they've used. Give it generous tire clearances. Make sure the geometry's right. Make sure the comfort's there. Mm-hmm. And you know why would we try and try and try to make the lightest? You know, it'd be like trying to make the lightest estate car. What's the point? Yeah. You know, it's sort of. You know, but but they are they are dealing with the defines mm-hmm. of serious bike for serious riders. Okay. Okay, so if we move on then from sort of like what is effectively the price of this bike in, in in what we're going to talk about, I think should we have a quick chat with about the um, about the special LA Elite, which comes in at thousand pound and fifty. It's actually come up to a thousand fifty. Yeah, it's a thousand fifty. Thousand fifty pounds. But I think that's another trend we're going to see is where, as last year, all the big companies were hitting a thousand pounds with a one hundred five, a largely one hundred five equipped bike. And uh, no, we're not. It's. Uh, specialised have nipped over to 1050 mm-hmm. I think Trek have gone up to 1100 and I think other companies will be following on yeah but the, the specialised it's sort of echoing what Warren's just saying uh, particularly about the giant is that they specialised tweaked the geometry a couple of years ago of this, of the throughout the LA range just to make it that much more slightly slacker angles that much more relaxed slightly longer wheelbase not drastically a few millimetres mm-hmm. here a few millimetres there but it's made a huge difference so it's kind of making it a little bit more user friendly I mean this is it's not entry level we're not talking like a 500 pound bike here but it's it's definitely of the you know it, it's a more pocket friendly bike than a lot of the bikes yeah. that have ended up in, in bike of the year but it also is one that seems a bit more of an all-rounder. The, the changes that Specialized have made make it a bit more user-friendly yeah, for a wider yeah. range of things. So uh, it's more comfortable thanks to wider tires. And one of the other trends is not to, it's only got 25mm tires, but on the, on the wider rims, they probably measure 27, 28 anyway. Yeah. You can get wider tires than that. Do you think that's re- kind of reflecting the demands of people who aren't looking to spend... I don't want to sort of... Uh, I'm not suggesting that people who don't have a lot of money to spend on bikes aren't looking for a, a, a pure bed race bike or anything, but do you think there's a general idea that you're possibly looking for a, a comfier, more sort of all-round experience yeah, from I, a bike at that price? Yeah, point? and I think Specialised also realise that we're living in a country with an ageing population and probably in a continent and also in North America. So cyclists who would have been had their first specialised LAs when they're in their 20s or 30s, and now maybe in their 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. So you want slightly more back-friendly position, mm-hmm. but also it's things like you've got mudguard fittings, you've got rear rack mounts, just so if you want to go uh, go away for the weekend, if you want to do your shopping on it, it will cover all of those. Mm-hmm. If you want to go out for the thrash, you can. The angles aren't such that... It's not such. It's not so extreme. It's not a sit-up-and-beg riding position. Yeah. It just hits I the think, sweet yeah, spot. I mean, I think that's the thing with the new... The new LA, and we're seeing that a lot of that uh, bikes around that. They're still they're still considered serious bikes, and you know there's no getting away from it. A thousand pounds is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, but they they're just more considered now. Mm-hmm. There's been a, there's been a certain trend towards elevating these bikes beyond just well that's where you start. You know the LA historically always just used to go right. Well, we'll just take the tarmac geometry 
and uh, just make it out of cheaper stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas now they've started to think about it. They've again, it's about thinking about the end user. Yeah, you know. Yeah, what the result is uh, the geometry is very, very similar to the similar priced uh, giant contend. Yeah, it's so yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very much in the all rounder bracket. Yeah. yeah, thinking about that target market rather than just effectively dumbing down. Yeah. Or yeah. cheapening um, and, a more aggressive race yeah. bike, and I think they've really succeeded in the thousand fifty mm-hmm. model, and also the, the seven hundred quid model. Yeah. Uh, so, what was it about this? Why was why did the Spech win over any of the other bikes? You know, things like you got the Rose Boardman. It's not. It's necessarily one. It's just that it's it's got it hits the sweet spot of the okay. best all rounder. It's it's the one is the one that did is the one in the top five at this price that you can buy from you can go down your local high street and buy it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily quite equal the value of Rose and Canyon. Yeah, but I think a lot of people spending a thousand pounds would actually want to go into a shop and look at it yeah. and pick it up and buy it mm-hmm. or try it first mm-hmm. and buy it. Which is why I wanted this. Why I wanted to talk about the LA Elite today yeah. is just. It's, the, it's the circa thousand pound bike that any of us can buy from most high street bikes from most high streets in this country. Okay, I mean, so obviously, then we have there is a bike of the year for, for twenty nineteen, which Warren, you've you've awarded to a brand that is relatively new to the scene, one which a lot of people might not have necessarily heard of before, and is certainly an incredibly unique bike. But I think before we touch on exactly what it is and why it won. Can you just quickly tell us what it is you were looking from from a bike of the year? What when when you started this whole process six months ago, seventy five bikes wrapped up between yourself and, and Simon and Robin as well. How did you decide that you were going to come to you know how, what was the process? How are we going to get to what is eventually the bike of the year? Well, obviously, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of to and fro in between us all. We're all talking about our bikes, you know, on a on an almost daily basis. We you know we. We get together, we're chatting about them, we're riding them, we're re-riding them, we're, we're testing them against each other, we're looking. But, um, you know, a lot of the time with Bike of the Year, you're either looking for something that's just so outstanding uh, in a value kind of way, which mm-hmm. is why the TCR won last year. You know, it was just leagues above anything else that is the same money. Um, or you're looking for something that that is genuinely innovative, Mm-hmm. You know, that, that genuinely takes things further, you know, which is like um, the Cannondale Synapse when that, you know, when that one um, or or the Special Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, uh, it, it, it's bikes that are, are genuinely moving the bar. And, and um, but this year there's been so many that, that that could do that. You know, if money was no object, then. The Trek Madone is an astonishing bike. It's right. one of the fastest aero bikes you'll ever ride. And it's just mind-blowingly comfortable. Now, how much are we talking? But it's £10,000. Okay. You know, and that is a big but. The new Specialized Venge, you know, it, it's got all the aero advantages that you expect of a Venge, yet it feels like a tarmac. Right. But the tarmac is a brilliant bike as well. You know, the new Cannondale System 6, their first ever attempt at making an aero road bike, and they've made one of the best available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the way Cervelo have reinvented the S5 again, another astonishing bike. But it looks completely radical. It looks completely different to pretty much anything else on the market. Yeah, and again, they've kept the speed that the S5 always had and improved the ride. Mm-hmm. So it handles better. It feels tauter, mm-hmm. but it's also more comfortable. You know, the, there are some really smart, intelligent bike design going on at the minute. So this year was really, really tough. Mm-hmm. So even just to whittle, you know, even just even start whittling it down. But um, 
the, the bike that, that eventually came out on top, and there was a lot of deliberation, you know, it was... You mean, yeah, this has been going on for months? Yeah, basically. yeah. You know, uh, uh, and like when we went away to do the final week's testing on the fi- on the top six bikes, there was, you know, six of us there, every night, every meal, just an argument about mm. the bikes. An argument, a discussion... And it was just, it was constantly, it was almost flip, you know, it was flip-flopping between yeah. lots of different, but but I just genuinely felt that, that, that the bike that comes out on top um, does offer something that we haven't seen before. Okay, and so that bike then, if, you know, I'm sure you're all waiting to hear, it is the Rondo HVRT CF0. Snappy name. Snappy name, yeah. but that stands for High Velocity Rough Terrain. Yeah, or they just call it the Hurt. The Hurt. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so... I'll let you introduce it, Warren. Like in, in in five sentences, what is this Rondo HVRT? Well, it's a, a, a proper proper mashup, and what they've done is they've taken the template of a super fast, aggressive aero road bike, mm-hmm. and then they've thought, what else could we do with this? And because Rondo initially came out with the the rut, mm-hmm. which I mean you've you've got some experience of, you? Yeah. you you did a feature for me a few years ago and riding it up a mountain and then riding it back down off road. Yeah. That was their gravel bike, uh, which has this twin tip fork. Mm-hmm. And the twin tip technology in the fork, it's quite a simple thing. It's an insert where the through axle goes, you flip it over, and by flipping it over, you have a higher or low position of where the axle goes. Mm-hmm. So it reduces the you know, it slackens the head angle or steepens the head angle, depending on which way you run it which increases the stack, shortens the reach, or lowers the stack, lengthens the reach. Mm-hmm. It literally becomes two bikes in one. So yep. you've got this super aggressive, fast aero road bike, and then you flip it, and it becomes almost a kind of all-day endurance bike. Right. Honestly, it, they're at the kind of aggressive end of endurance. Okay. And the more Relaxed. usable okay. end of aggressive. Mm-hmm. But the when you look at the geometry of the, the size of the bike, I had, say, compared to... Cannondale, and I'll, I'll refer back to Cannondale because, one, because I, that's in that's what I was talking about in Bug of the Year, I bought that bike and I still own it. Right. <laughs> you know, it was a 105 equipped Synapse. It isn't any longer. It's probably the most expensive 105 bike on the planet <laughs> with the amount of upgrades I've done on it. But I still like it. I still love it. I still ride it a lot. Yeah. This Rondo in its endurance guys is extremely close. It's within two mil of having the same stack height mm-hmm. and the same reach. And it, so it feels like an endurance bike. It feels like yeah. a bike you ride all day. And then when you flip it and you make it more aggressive, it's kind of within a couple of... It's actually got a longer reach. Right. And it's slightly taller mm-hmm. than a Cannondale Super 6 Evo. Mm-hmm. So you are genuinely getting, effectively, what's two bikes in one. Yeah. But you, you're not getting two bikes in one, though, because you can stick your 700 with, yeah. what, 25s in, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, that's the other thing that, you know, it's got this little trick up its sleeve which and I've spoken to the guys at Rondo you know uh, about this and it, it it wasn't so much an afterthought right it's just a happy coincidence it was a, no it was something they built into it mm-hmm. because they wanted that sort of versatility and and this all basically this stems from where they're from you know Rondo is um, is a sub brand of kind of the group which is NS bikes yeah and there's NS there's Cream and there's there's Rondo and they, they, these guys are from Poland and um, I've been out where they you know, I've been out to their to their offices and you know seen where they ride and all that sort of thing. And in the summer, they've got a huge network of gravel roads, um, and they've got 
really good roads and nice hills and lots of fast road riding, but they've got this kind of gravel thing. Mm-hmm. So you can understand why the, the rook was the first part of the yeah, yeah. But then they like racing. You know, they're proper kind of hardcore roadies at heart, but where they live in Poland in the winter, the roads are pretty much unridable. The right. snow's so bad yeah. and everything's so bad. So they just said, well, let's build the versatility of the rut into the hurt. So the hurt, you can put a 650B wheel in it and get like a 50 mil wide tire on it. Mm-hmm. And although you don't get that set of wheels with the bike, it does come with a discount voucher of the partnership they've got with Hunt, because Hunt's by the wheels, right. where you can get a 650B Hunt wheel set mm-hmm. with like a, a significant chunk off. Mm-hmm. And that is either their alloy Rondo Hunt 650 wheel or a carbon one. Right. Um, and we, I mean, we opted for the alloy one, which you only, you know, I think it was about 300 quid more. Okay. For a sub-1500 gram set of 650B wheels. Yeah. You know, shod with 47 mil tyres. Mm-hmm. And when you stick it into its gravel guys, it's astonishingly good. Right. It, it is a really capable gravel bike because it kind of, and that's in either trim. That's in either endurance or, or the racy. I, I mean, I put it in a racy trim. I, I went out to Cyprus to, yeah. to first test the bike and did like a, you know, four four hour gravel ride on one of the days I was out there. And I left it in like the super aggressive trim and put the big fat 650s on it. And I thought, well, this is going to be a handful. And mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it, you wanted to blast on, on like, you know, big fire roads and stuff like that. You just wanted to blast through every corner and just push it and, and try and pin it. And descending on, on a road on tyres that are coming up like 50 mil wide yeah. that are slick is astonishing. Grip. You've got yeah, all the grip you'd ever need. Yeah. You know, I kept thinking, oh, I wish I had some like knee sliders because I think I could get a <laughs> knee down through this corner. So it sounds then you, you, you've got a bike that with, with this little flip chip down by the hub, you, you, you've got two road bikes, you've almost got two gravel bikes as well. So it's, it sounds then that there's the potential for it to be a master of all but well, no, a jack of all, but a master of none. But you're you're arguing that it is actually a really good endurance bike, a really yeah. good yeah. aero bike. It was, initially, it was initially conceived to be a fast road bike. That was that was their number one yeah. goal. And they've just added these bits on it without compromising it. Now, there are other bikes out there that do a similar job. Mm. I'm thinking like, you know, uh, Vielo or um, 3T mm-hmm. with the Explorer. Mm-hmm. Again, really good, really good bikes that will do everything. But both of those bikes are more conceived as gravel bikes. Mm. So although they're very good on the road, they're slightly compromised. Now, I like riding gravel. I like to do lots of different things. But I'm a roadie at heart. So if I'm going to buy a bike that does everything, I want it to be best at what I do most, which is road, which is exactly what it does. <laughs> um, but I think you know what I've you know one of the things I've written about about this bike is that I look in my garage and I own too many bikes, far too many bikes, mainly because I keep buying bike of the years <laughs> and keeping them and never ever getting rid of them. You know I've got I can't remember what year it was, but I, I think it was one of the first years that we did look like um, when Stork on it. I mean, it's probably predates actually the newer format. Um, that bike that was bucketed, I bought that and yeah. I still own it because I, I, you know, I love it. I've got the Synapse. Well, I still own, you know, I still own that. Um, I, I keep doing it. I keep, you know, I keep doing this to myself for stupid, <laughs> stupidly. Uh, I've got too many bikes. But then I, I got this Rondo and I was looking at it and I was going, if I had this and I'm looking at the bikes hanging up in my garage, I could get rid of three of these. That was my point. Is this a quiver killer? Could you get rid of? I could. I probably won't mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is the bike that can that can yeah. literally do it all if you want something with a drop bar yeah and and that's why it's bike of the year most definitely yeah yeah and i and i i don't know if it's because of where rondo are from you know that they're out of the kind of cycling mainstream hmm. 
you know, I can completely understand why 3T, you know, a storied Italian brand um, with some really smart guys behind it, made a gravel bike with some aero st stuff on it that would work quite well on the road. I can understand why they did that because they were thinking about a gravel bike. Mm -hmm. But they weren't thinking about, why can't we just take a road bike off-road? Off yeah. Whereas because Rondo are from, you know, almost like the new world of cycling, um, they're coming at it with no preconceptions. They've come, they've come at it with a design idea and seen it through and it works. Mm -hmm. And I think it's bold. And, you know, um, a lot of people could be saying, well, who the hell are Rondo? You know, but if you think in the, in the 80s, a lot of people would have been going, who the hell are Specialized? Who the hell are Giant? Who the hell are Trek? Who the hell are Giant? Yeah. You know, or, or later than that, and then, you know, the 90s, who the hell are Cervelo? Mm -hmm. You know, what do these Canadians know about making road bikes? And now these are literally the biggest... Yeah, these are literally the biggest brands in the yeah. world. You know. World tour teams, yeah. everything you need to know. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just, you know, that smart idea that... You know, you, we saw it when Cannondale first came out with their oversized aluminium, you know, the original cab bikes were revolutionary. They mm. changed everything. You know, um, Cervelo bringing aero to road bikes, you know, not just on time travel bikes. They made the, you know, the original Soloist, which then turned into the S bikes. You know, they brought aerodynamics to road bikes. Mm -hmm. So it all only takes is like one little spark of an idea. Yeah. Uh, which will establish you. So I think, you know, Rondo's just a brand to watch. In five years' time, they're going to be... Well, you know, I wish them all the success because this thing is... Uh, um, every time I ride it, it puts a smile on my face. Okay. So that's that's the 2019 bike of the year, the Rondo Hurt or HVRT CF0. So just before we sort of wrap it up, I guess, we've, we've had 75 bikes through the Bike Radar and Cycling Plus sort of test team. What are the the key things that, as a road cyclist, you're going to be noticing in 2019? What are those key sort of trends? Well, it's the same as the last few years. Ever more disc brakes. More disc brakes. More disc brakes. Yeah, there's, I think. There's, yeah, there's going to be a time when the great great majority of road bikes have yeah. got disc brakes. I know, I know there's still yeah. a yeah. holdout section of the older cycling community. People older even than me. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are you know there are a couple of really good. Rim brake bikes in this this year, mm. like the Canyon, uh, you know, Ultimate Evo, you know, one of the lightest bikes that we've ever had, like tested through here, with the most astonishing equipment on it. That was yeah. a rim brake bike, um, or Pinarello's Gan, which takes all that kind of pro tour technology of the dogmas and brings it down to a much more affordable mm -hmm. level. And that was you know a rim brake bike, and that rode beautifully, mm -hmm. and it looks great. And you know, so there, there still is a place, but it's going to become much more difficult, yeah, to avoid. To, to just to buy them you know when we're seeing the likes of Specialized in the next year or so we'll have no rim brake bikes in their range mm -hmm. you'll be able to get the frames but that's it yeah you know and, and every new bike launch that we've gone to probably over the last 18 months two years there's no rim brake option mm -hmm. the new Defy there's no rim brake option mm -hmm. you know, that's, the, just, that's the, just going to be a trend you know, that's going to happen year on yeah, year the new System 6 there's no new rim brake option the new Zalco there's no rim brake yeah. option you know it it Sadly, you know, the rim brake just seems to be going the way of the dinosaur. Yeah. Okay, so we've got, we've got disc brakes. I think, obviously, tyres and, and rim widths is something that, getting wider. again... Just getting wider and wider. It's like, that's and there's going to be a cut-off point. Yeah. There is going to be a cut-off point. I mean, we've um, had a couple of like gravel wheels that have come in recently that New Launch wants to test, and you get them out of the box, and, you know, I'll be turning around to the, the mountain bike guys on our test tub mm -hmm. and going, at least for you. Yeah. You know, because they are that that wide. Then there will be a cut-off point where it's sort of, yeah. you know, it will settle. The, the You know, making that broad, blunt, aero-shaped rim, you know, the, which the likes of Zip pioneered, 
is better in the wind. It is more stable. It is more aerodynamic, and it does allow for that bigger tire, mm-hmm. which makes it more comfortable. Yeah, because mm-hmm. when, when we which started the, the comfort, when we started bike of the year ten years ago, eleven years ago, twenty three mil would have been the standard for a road tire. Then yeah. it's gone to twenty five. Now, say it's back. Now it's twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. yeah, it's probably half the bikes we're getting in the budget era, even at the budget end of things, about twenty eight mil, and I can see that yeah. carrying on. But I, but I think you know the other kind of more ethereal thing on design is that aero is a consideration on everything. Yeah. You know, it's not just your fast aero road bike. It's everything. So it's like these Alco Max. Not an aero bike, mm-hmm. but it's, it's got more aero. Full of aero. You know, and, and so all of those things are becoming considerations. Even the Defy has, has had like wind tunnel development time. Mm-hmm. And because everybody just sees that as an advantage, you know. But to mirror that, are we are we also seeing that the real true hardcore racing bikes, you know, ones full aero, are they getting more comfortable as well? Yes. Is comfort? Yeah, yeah. Comfort in road cycling always used to be a dirty word. Yeah. And it isn't any longer. We saw, I, I feel that looking back over sort of like 5, 10, 15 years of road bikes, there was a divergence from sort of the traditional into, you know, you've got endurance bike, aero bikes, race bikes, and it feels like, Am I right in saying that the things seem to be converging again a little bit? Not necessarily in that we there won't be aero bikes and there won't be endurance bikes, but there's a lot of cross pollination between them now. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when you when you take something like um, like that Nirazaka Mac, which is the lightweight GC bike, hmm. it's very very aero. Mm-hmm. Um, the Giant Fire's got you know, as I've said, that's got some aero uh, componentry. It's got some aero. Th- thought into the design um and then you know you've got something like wait and then the flip side of that is you go to the madone you know one of the most beautiful looking aero bikes there is mm-hmm. but it's got you know it's got um iso speed yeah so it, it's effectively got their take on robot suspension mm-hmm. do you think that's, an aero bike, do you think I mean, that's going to be a trend in the next few years or more bikes with I, like, I, I don't know about mechanical like the, suspension like the track like uh, yeah. like the lapierre using some form of elastomer yeah, or, or the villiers yeah which has gone that way hasn't it or you know we've just had that you know super exclusive high end moots come in mm-hmm. with the ybb mm-hmm. Back end, which I remember from Moots, you know, mountain bikes in the nineties. So yeah. is that a trend you think's likely to take off, or is that going to be quite still remain quite a niche? I, I think it might remain somewhat of a niche, but I think we'll see a growth of it in gravel, most definitely. You know, if you think on the mountain bike side of things, last year Cannondale debuted a whole new lefty, mm. which had never. You know, they'd never made a single crown lefty before, yeah. and that thing looks superb. And you look at that and go, "That should be on a gravel bike." Yeah. And then, and then, I mean, this is maybe one for another another <laughs> podcast down the line. Our gravel bikes, basically, also mountain bikes. Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> we won't touch on that right now. <laughs> I think the last the last sort of trend that I've noticed that we'll touch on and then and maybe leave it as that is is something that we talked about when we talked about the Canyon and the TCR and the Defy, especially is. Own brand kit not being crap. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you've got the likes of Giants Wheel Range, uh, specialised Rovol wheels, Bontrager wheels, you know, these are own, essentially own brand components that are winning group tests, mm-hmm. you know, and they're performing, you know, exceptionally well in wind tunnel, you know, independent wind tunnel and tests. A lot of, and a lot like, of those rules are come with know. the same own brand tyres as well. So Yeah, yeah, you know, and Bontrager. Uh, Specialized yeah, and, giant. 
there is there is a definite big trend towards lots of R&D cash being put into own brand componentry. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it, it's more than just going to the big component manufacturers and saying, can you put our logo on it? You know, uh, and I think this has all come from, um, you know, wheels is kind of almost a separate issue because I think um, wheels were quite a difficult thing to do when everybody used rim brakes. Yeah. Because you had heat issues to deal with. You had braking performance to deal with. Mm-hmm. Now it's the disc brake. Mm-hmm. You've just got to make a nicely shaped rim. And you haven't got to worry too much. So that's kind of opened it up. And that's allowed, like, you know, new players into the market who've made a big impact. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking the likes of Hunt. Yeah. You know, they've they've taken on to the big boys, you know, the Zips and the Envies and the Reynolds of this world. And, and they're holding their own you yeah. know, very well. Um, and, you know, most of the hub usage on lots of these own brands they're they're not developing their own internals mm-hmm. but they're going and buying really good DT Swiss DT Swiss so you know that the internals of DT Swiss hubs must be making that company billions yeah. because they're on pretty much every performance where we see yeah you know um but uh, where where we are seeing a real growth is in the other componentry the stuff that did used to be rebranded you know mm-hmm. and it still happens now you know a lot of the Italian brands their own brand components will have their logo on it and they'll say buy FSA yeah and so it's an FSA product that they've just had printed Stick on it up, it. Yeah. but when we're seeing bikes that have got a lot more integration you know which is like the aero bikes but we're seeing integration on other bikes now the Giant Defy's got an integrated mm-hmm. um, setup, and you know and, and that was done for aero reasons mm-hmm. And you'd think Aero on an endurance bike would be really, but it looks cool. Mm. But it's all, you know, it's all developed in house. So they almost have to do that then for the overall design of the bike. They have yeah, to develop. They have to develop their own stuff. But it's not like they're not skimping on it. Yeah, you know, they're they're really putting decent, you know, decent R and D time mm. into developing some really nice products. Happy days. Okay, well, I think that's probably enough for this. Bike of the Year has obviously been a massive project for for Warren and Simon and, and Robin, and you can read everything they've written from the past six months in this latest issue of Cycling Plus and also it'll be up on Bike Radar and on our YouTube channel so hell of a lot of work yeah and yeah now I'm going to have a rest now I'm going to have a rest yeah (laughs) so thanks for joining us there that was the Road Bike of the Year podcast from Bike Radar and Cycling Plus. We've also got a mountain bike one, which we're doing with MBUK magazine and Bike Radar, so keep your ears out if you're more interested in mountain bikes. We've also got some other ideas and upcoming podcasts coming from the world of bike tech in the UK, so keep an eye out on Bike Radar because we'll let you know all about that when it comes. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.